Hi guys, I'm going to introduce our guest speaker today. I'm really excited for Abby to be speaking. If, if somebody came to me just at random and pointed at me and said, quick, name your favorite person on earth, I would, I would be tempted to throw out Abby's name. I, I, I ought to say my wife and kids, but the truth is if they said it real quick and it happened in a flash, I would probably say Abby Short, and then I'd say, oh, no, 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 I like my wife and kids better. Abby's just amazing. And if they said, quick, name somebody who's going to change the world, bam, Abby Short would come to mind. Uh, she's our basement dweller right now. She's been living in our basement for several months, and we let her emerge on Sunday mornings, so that's pretty cool. But she came here to help us get this church rolling. And, you know, when you live with somebody, you find out about them. And I can only say that my opinion of Abby has gone up since she moved in with us. She's the real deal. She's consistent. She loves God. She loves people. And so I know she has a lot to present to you today, and I'm just going to turn it over to her. Abby Short. Let's pray. Lord God, I just thank you for the way you love every person in this room beyond what we can understand. And I just pray that you will help us through the power of your spirit to understand that love today in a, in a new way. And I just pray that every person here uh, will learn more about you today, God, and that you'll just come teach us. Tell me what to say and help me to say it well. And Holy Spirit, just fill everything I say with your presence. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Stars, hippos, and the cross. So we're going to be talking about today, and we're going to start with the stars. This number is um, called 10 sextillion. It is a 10 with 21 zeros behind it. You can count them. I did a couple times. And that is the number that scientists think, it is a rough estimate, but that's how many they think um, stars are in the known universe. They get that number by estimating that there are two to 400 million stars in the Milky Way galaxy. And they think there's somewhere around 100 billion other galaxies in the world. And so a really safe, really conservative guess is to, to say that all 100 billion galaxies have at least 100 billion stars, since, since the Milky Way has at least 200. And so to multiply 100 billion by 100 billion, and that gets you to this number, which is 10 sextillion. So that is a lot of stars. And scientists don't really know. I mean, they're just kind of guessing because they don't know how big the universe is, and they're not sure how many stars there are. Um, but it's a really large number. And as we know, a star is like a flaming ball of gas, mostly made up of helium and, and, helium and hydrogen. And um, they are massive. They're huge. Um, and the star, of course, that is the closest um, to the Earth is our sun. And it is um, 93 million miles away. And if it got any closer than 93 million miles away, we would all be in trouble. Um, and our, starting with our eyesight would be in trouble because our eyes would get fried by the, the brightness of the sun. So after 93 million miles away, they start getting really far away. Like you can only measure them with light years um, because they're so far away from the Earth. Um, and so... I want us um, to think, and just for the next few minutes that we're talking here together, to get our minds focused on what kind of mind comes up with a star, and then what kind of mouth speaks and a star is formed. Because that's what the book of Genesis, that's what Genesis chapter 1 tells us happened, that God spoke and the stars were formed. His words created a star. My words can't create stars. I speak and people roll their eyes. God speaks and stars are formed. Something that wasn't there is there. And so I'm just like, as I'm, as I'm thinking about this, I'm like, what kind of being must he be 
that he speaks words and stars come into existence. Aaron, or Preston Sprinkle, rather, said this. God whispers and stars explode into existence. God speaks and massive balls of fire 200 times the size of the earth suddenly exist. If there is an intelligent designer behind creation, then he must possess power beyond all comprehension. This here is a hippopotamus. And um, they live... Oh, where's my hippo? Hey, there he is. <laughs> so that is a hippopotamus. And uh, they live, of course, in Africa. Hippos, an adult hippo average, weighs five to 8,000 pounds. The average car that's being produced in America right now weighs 4,000 pounds. So there's a good chance that a hippo outweighs your car. They are massive. And even though they weigh um, up to 8,000 tons, they can, they can usually outrun a human being. They're fast. And they can live, um, you know, on land or in water. Their um, babies, a baby hippo can nurse on land or in water because once they're in the water, they have the ability to shut off their ears and nose so that they can um, nurse underwater. Uh, hippos can also twist their ears in opposite directions. Can anybody else in the room twist their ears in opposite directions? Me neither. That's maybe best, so I don't call you a hippo for the rest of your life. Um, and hippos, um, that's not done, I'm not done. Hippos are fascinating, okay? So a couple more things. Hippos um, sweat an oily red substance that serves as a, um, an, ins an insect repellent. It helps keep bugs away. It serves as a skin moisturizer. It serves as a sunblock. It keeps their skin from being burnt. You're never going to see a, a sunburnt hippo because they um, release this oil that doesn't let them get sunburnt. And um, it also serves, uh, it protects them against germs. So if, you know, if scientists could, could create this oily red substance, you know, it would sell for tons of money. But hippos are just making it all the time, all on their own in the rivers of Africa, um, which is incredible. And one more thing is that hippos, um, they can hold their breath for up to five minutes. And the process of coming up to the surface of the water and breathing is an automatic thing that they don't have to think about. So a hippo can sleep underwater and their body just knows to rise to the surface of the water and to breathe air. That's incredible. <laughs> and it's, it's kind of similar to how not one time since I've been speaking to you have I had to think, breathe in and don't forget to breathe out. I don't want my lungs to explode. I've not had to put one thought to breathing. My lungs just know to do it. I'm just breathing in, breathing out, and my mind never has to think about it. And I'm going to guess that none of you have had to put a conscious thought to breathing since you've been sitting here. Isn't that amazing? Our bodies just know that they need air, so our lungs just know to fill up and then know to exhale the oxygen. And it's kind of the same with the hippo, that they, they just know, their bodies just know that they have to get to the top of the water so that they can breathe air. Um, it's remarkable. And so, again, I'm thinking, what kind of being comes up with a hippopotamus and then has the creative power and life inside of him that he can make a hippo. <laughs> what must he be like? He, I'll tell you what he's like. He's beyond what my little tiny brain in this skull can understand. He is beyond what I can fathom or imagine. And I have a big imagination, but he is bigger than my imagination. I cannot exaggerate him. And so as we're thinking about this being who, who speaks and stars exist, and who thinks, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make it to where hippos secrete this oily substance so they never get sunburned. Because I don't want hippos to have to get sunburned. So as I'm thinking about this being, and, and then I want us to get a visual of um, 
an animal trough, a nasty, gross place where animals drool and eat their food and spit their food out. And I mean, it's germy, it's low, it's gross, an animal trough. I work in a restaurant, and the, the worst part of the job by far is the bus tub. Nobody likes the bus tub because human beings are gross. Like, so whenever I have to bus a table or I have to empty the bus tub, which is the worst, you empty out all the food, like I have to touch my hands to half-eaten food that has been in a human being's nasty, slobbery mouth, and then I have to touch their forks and their knives that have also been in their nasty, slobbery mouths, and it's just gross, the whole process. So if I have an infant baby, I'm going to keep that infant far from the bus tub, right? <laughs> if I have a baby in the restaurant, the last place I'm going to put the baby is inside of the bus tub, right? I, I wouldn't do that. Um, but, but as I'm thinking about this being who creates stars and who designs hippos, he came to the earth as a man 2014 years ago, and he started that journey off in an animal feeding trough. A nasty, gross place where animals slobber is how the king of heaven who breathes the stars, that's where he started his life, was in a manger. A nasty little place in a nasty little barn. He, he said, whenever, whenever God decided to become a man, he said, I'm going to make my entire life a sacrifice for these human beings. I'm going to show them what humility looks like. I'm going to show them what love looks like. And even from the beginning, I'm going to come as a baby. He could have came as anything he wanted. He could have he invented a new species of what it's like when God walks on the earth. He could have came as an avatar. That's what I would have done if I were him. But he didn't. He started out as a baby, a small, helpless baby that had to be held and taken care of that was born in an animal feeding trough because he wanted to show us what humility looked like. You know, the, it's the year 2014 right now because God became a man all over the earth. No matter what your belief system is, no matter what your nationality is, it is 2014 because God became a man 2014 years ago. And when God decided to become a man, he changed everything, including our dates and our schedules and our time system. He changed it. That's why it is 2014. So whenever Jesus came to the earth, he lived for 33 years, starting it off in an animal trough. And the whole time he was alive, he remembered, he remembered breathing the stars into existence. He remembered picking out the colors of Saturn. He remembered deciding how deep to make the oceans. And as he was remembering these things, these things, he was working in the dusty streets of Jerusalem as a carpenter. He was doing hard, manual labor with his hands. The Son of God, who breathed the stars into existence, worked as a carpenter after starting his life in an animal trough. What humility. Even moments before his death, moments before he was crucified to pay for our sins, he, he, he had a dialogue with God, and I would encourage everyone to, um, to read John chapter 17. It's amazing that God gave us John chapter 17 because the whole chapter is a conversation between Jesus and God moments before he was crucified. And so it's a really important chapter, and I'm just going to um, pick out two scriptures. And Jesus said this to God just moments before he died. He said, I glorified you on the earth. God, I did, what you want me to, I did what you wanted me to do. I accomplished the work which you have given me to do. 
He, he, he's, he's saying to God, God, I did it. I showed prostitutes that I loved them and I had purity for them. I opened blind eyes. I let deaf ears hear for the first time. I loved people, God. I brought your kingdom to the earth. I did it. So now, Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. Jesus remembered the glory that he had with God before the world ever was, before he became a man and took on flesh and blood in a Middle Eastern body, before all that, he remembered the glory that he had with God. And then, as he was remembering designing the stars, he, he allowed sinful, corrupt men to bind him. He let these evil human beings tie his hands together and then he let them drag him through the streets of Jerusalem. And then he let them put a cross on him. And he willingly carried that cross to the streets of Jerusalem. The Son of God, who was there with God before the world was, carried a cross through the streets of Jerusalem. And then he let these evil men nail him to a cross. So I'm thinking, as I'm, as I'm imagining what this being must be like, who, who breathes stars and designs hippos. And then I'm looking at the life that he lived on the earth as a, as a lowly carpenter. And he let these men do these evil things to him. I'm thinking, why? Why would you do that? Why, why would you live your life that way, God? And the answer is because he wanted to be with you. And he wanted to be with me. And Jesus, Jesus knew that you were going to be a pervert. He knew that you were going to lie and that you weren't going to be able to keep from it. He knew that you were going to be so annoyed by the people in your life because you kind of thought you were better than them. He knew about the pride that was going to be in your heart, even right now as you sit in this theater. He knew that you were going to be vain. And he knew that you were going to care far, far more about yourself than you ever would another human being. Jesus knew that that's how you were going to be. And he knew that your wicked, corrupted heart was never going to be able to get to his perfectly clean, holy father. This, this nasty stuff in, in our hearts, we can't get there. How do I know you have a corrupted heart? Because I have one too. We're all in this mess of selfishness that we cannot get out of, and it will not allow us to get to a being who is holy and perfect and uncreated. It has to be paid for. Our sin must be paid for. And the Bible is clear that the crimes that we commit, the lies we tell, the hurt, the manipulation, all of it has to be paid for. And the payment is death and separation from God. And that's what I deserve. But Jesus said, I don't want you to have to die and be separated from me. I want to be with you. Despite the evil in your heart, I want to be with you. This scripture pretty much sums up the gospel message. It says, Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. That's what he wanted. He just wanted to be with you. So he paid for your sins. He said, I'm going to come to the earth, and I'm going to live a life like they can't live. And day after day, I'm going to chug along in the streets of Jerusalem, working as a carpenter with calluses on my hands, and I'm never going to lust. I'm never going to hate. I'm never going to manipulate to get my way. And that's what he did for 33 years. He lived a perfect life. And then he absorbed 
all of God's wrath for my sin. He absorbed it on himself on a cross for your sin so that he could be with you. So this whole thing, the stars, the hippos, the cross, laughter and oceans and moms and dads and turtles that have shells they can hide in and dancing and hearts that feel and hands and ears and babies and food and having fun and sunsets and minds that think, it all comes down to an unfathomable being who wants to be with you. That's what God has always wanted. And if you will read the Bible from the start to the finish, over and over, this being who holds creation and keeps life going with his hands, this being is saying, come on, come to me. I just want to be with you. His, his desire for mankind's fellowship is unimaginable. I just, ran, I just picked a few random scriptures out of the Bible. Of course, I'm not, not going to read all those. I just wanted you to see that, that it's just soaked with intimacy. The Bible, over and over, God's saying, I want people. I want to be with people. And right now, as you're sitting here, I don't, I don't know what your relationship with this uncreated being looks like, but I know what he wants it to look like. And he wants it to look like a bear hug. He, he wants it to look like you and him are close, and he speaks to you, and you can hear him. He wants it to look better than it did yesterday. This is my nephew. Um, his name is Siler, and he's six years old, and I live in his basement. Um, and he is Captain America most days of the week. Some days he's Thor. Some days he's a ninja. It changes, but usually he's Captain America. That's who he is in this picture. And um, and HL mentioned this last week, and I just I want to. I thought a lot about it, and so I want to share a little bit more um, about this question that Siler asks. Siler loves his mom and dad. Like, he is a mom and dad baby, like a daddy's boy and a mama's boy. He loves them. And, um, and so often, not always, <clears throat> but a lot of times, whenever Kara NHL, um, it's my sister and, and her husband, HL, the, the pastor, whenever they say, Siler, um, what do you want to do? Do you want to go to Cadence's house today? Often, he will say, well, what do you want me to do? Because he wants to please them. He wants to make them happy. And so HL mentioned this last week that, a that Siler says this. And when he said that, I thought, you know what? Siler has never once asked me what I want him to do. He hasn't, never. And so then I thought, why is that? Like, why is he never asking me that question? And the only honest answer I can give is because I don't love him as much as his mom and dad do. I mean, I love the kid. I, I think that we have, our relationship is, has as much love in it as an aunt and nephew relationship possibly can. Like, I love Siler Hussman. But I love him with a love that's different than his mom and dad. And he, know, he recognizes that. He doesn't know how to put words to it, but he knows his mom and dad love him more than I do. They, I've never bought a house for Siler to live in. I don't clothe Siler. I don't feed him meals. I don't, you know, I haven't done the things that his parents do for him. And he knows that he needs their love, and that, that he, and he loves their love. And so that's why he asks this question to them. Mom and Dad, what do you want me to do? I'm, I want to make you happy because he realizes how much he's loved by them. When we realize the depth of someone's love for us, it changes us. It always has. That's just how it goes. When somebody loves you wildly, it changes you. You know, Beauty and the Beast, Belle, Beauty, 
loved the beast, and she treated him like something he wasn't. She treated him like something that she believed he could be. And what happened? He changed. He turned into the person that she knew he could be. You know, that's an old, old story. People are loved wildly, and it changes them. It's a tale as old as time. That's a joke. <laughs> um, and so, so the point, of course, is that whenever we realize um, the love that God has for us, is when we realize who, who this being is, what he is like, that he is beyond what I can imagine, and he is looking at me, and he is caring about me, it should, and it's done this in me, and I believe that it will do it in you if it's not already, re- re- cause a response, and that response is, what do you want me to do, God? Right now, God, you are allowing light rays to hit my corneas, and my corneas just know how to bend those light rays in such a way that they can pass freely through my pupils. And once they're through my pupils, they hit my eye's crystalline lens that allows me to focus the light rays properly. And you are teaching my retinas how to absorb all of the light rays and to break them into light impulses through millions of tiny nerve endings and then send those to the optic nerve so that I can have vision and see right now. God, you are causing that process to happen. And you are causing my lungs to just know how to breathe in and out all the time. And you're allowing my heart to just keep beating year after year so that my body can live. And God, you are keeping 10 sextillion stars at least 93 million miles away from me so that I don't fry up. And you became a man to take the punishment for my sin. So God, what do you want me to do? And I believe he wants us all to ask that question. And whenever we ask that question, his answer is always going to be the same. I want to be with you. I want you to love me. He told us in the Bible that the greatest commandment is to love him with everything he is. That's what his agenda is, to be loved. To love us and then to teach us how to love him back. That's what he wants. He wants to do life with you. He wants to walk with you and to be your friend and so whenever I say be with God and, and spend time with God, like that, that looks like something. Like I don't want it to just be vague, like, okay, I'm just going to be with God, whatever that means. I'll tell you, I'm just going to explain real quickly what it means. It's not anything complicated. It's, it's opening up his book that he gave you. This is, these are his words to you to read. He gave it to you so that you could read it, so that you could learn about what he's like and what he wants you to be like. This is his song that he's singing to you. And without reading the Bible every day, it is going to be very, very hard to be with God. And so everybody, if you're wanting to give God what he wants and you're wanting to be with him, open the Bible. Start anywhere, five minutes a day. Start somewhere and read the Bible every day. And then pray. Talk to him. You know, I know this isn't anything too, especially if you've been a Christian for a while, this isn't anything too advanced. Read the Bible and pray. But how many times do we have to hear it before we do it? Always another time, it seems. So reading the Bible and talking to him, and I don't know how it happens, but whenever I sit alone in a room and I I just talk out loud to the being that I can't see, it does something inside of me. It changes me. I don't know how it happens, but whenever I read these words that were written a long time ago, it changes me. And the the opposite is true. Whenever I don't talk to this being and when I don't read these um, words, I get disgusting and you don't want to be around me. Spending time with God, I don't understand it, but it it changes your, uh, somewhere deep down in your spirit, it changes you. 
If you're, if you're having trouble loving your neighbor, if you're having trouble being patient with somebody who's really annoying, if you're having trouble being generous and you're holding on way too tightly with, of your stuff, you need to spend time with, with God. That's the answer to all of it. You want to love people more? Spend time with God. You want to be nicer? Spend time with God. That's how it happens. And so then what happens is whenever we start to spend time with him, he starts to make us like him, and he is good. He has the joy and the peace and the love. Everything good in life is coming from this being, and he's contagious. So whenever you read these words and you talk to him, he changes you. And the Bible said, says that it's like a sweet perfume. So I brought a sweet perfume, and it really is sweet, and I'm going to spray it. So y'all probably in the front row are going to be smelling it. It's like, it, it really is sweet. It's called juiced berry. It's going to be smelling like a juiced berry in here in a minute, okay? Um, but because I want to show you what it's like. It's like I spend time with God, and then he changes me, starts to change me, and he's still changing me, and he's making me better. And so then I, I go I go to... Um, the grocery store, and I say, and I say to the person behind me, it's, I don't say all these words to them, but it's like I'm saying, um, I don't, I don't know you, and I have money, I, I don't have that much money extra, but I love you, because I'm spending time with this being who's making me like him, and he's generous, and I want to show you what he's like, so I'm going to buy your groceries, even though I don't know you, and I might not ever see you again, look how sweet this being I'm serving is. He is kind and he's generous. I'm going to go to work and people are going to get on my nerves and I'm going to want to use awful nasty words when I speak to them. But this being I'm hanging out with, he doesn't use nasty words and he doesn't talk down to you, so I'm not going to either because he's making me like him. So I'm going to love you. I'm going to smile at you and I'm going to love you even when you're awful. I'm going to... I'm gonna, Go to the family member who has hurt me time and time and time again that I'm having trouble forgiving, and I'm going to say, I've been hanging out with this God, and he is changing me, and I'm going to forgive you. From, from, the, from the looks of things, you don't deserve my forgiveness, but I didn't deserve his forgiveness either, so I'm going to love you. Look how sweet he is. I'm going to forgive you, and I'm going to be good to you. Look how sweet he is. I'm going to smile at you. People around me, I'm going to say your name and say hi, even though you never smile and say my name back because I am becoming like this being who is good and he's sweet and he's kind. Look how sweet he is. He's making me like him. Look how sweet he is. And we get to live our whole lives, however many years we have on the earth, 70, 80, 90, spraying this sweet smell that is the knowledge of Jesus Christ. When Jesus Christ gets inside of you, he makes sweet things. And he wants us to spread it around so that other people can smell it, so that other people can see what he's like, that he's good and he's contagious, because he is. And then what happens, the, the kindness, his kindness and his goodness leads men to repentance. It's not his wrath and his hatred and his awful, overbearing ways. It's his kindness and his goodness that leads men to repentance. So he wants us to carry his kindness and goodness around and to show people what, it, what it's like so that they can know him too. So the whole big picture, the stars, the hippos, the cross, is all so that God can be with you. And then he changes you and he makes you like him. And then he sends you out to bring other people with you. To say, come on, I'm meeting with God. He's making me good and, and kind. So come with me. He wants to meet with you, too. He wants to love you, too. And maybe you never knew, 
before that this is what God was after, that God really did want to be with you, and that's why he died on a cross, and that's why he made the hippos, and that's why he made the stars. Well, I'm telling you right now that that's what he wants. So now you know that that's what he wants. He wants to be with you. He wants to meet with you. He wants to meet with you today, alone. He wants you to read this book, and he wants you to talk to him. And then he's going to start making you like him. He's going to start making you sweet, and you can share it with the people around you. It's good. It is good serving Jesus. It is good knowing Jesus. It is good becoming like Jesus. And so I pray that all of us in this room will do that, that we'll, we'll give him what he wants, and we'll start to become like him.